pop bell. There we go. There mm. we go. Mm. Hello, Mr. Craig. Hello, Mr. Jason. This yep. episode was just phenomenal. It and you was wanna... a doozy. Doozy. You want to <laughs> tell him why and who? We have Mr. David Carruthers, a Ooh. business insurance brother from another mother, mother with the commercial smother. Buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Hey, Craig, um, this year I got some crazy growth goals for my agency. And actually, I've been talking to a few other agents. They got some crazy growth goals. So um, can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing that's just crushing it in your agency right now? Yeah, well, we're doing a lot of internet data leads uh, through a uh, company called EverQuote. And they're actually one of our sponsors. Ooh. Yeah, we're, so can and you I'm tell me a little of, bit about that. Yeah, part of the accelerated growth program, um, which includes having your own consultant that's going to go over your results, and it's it's positioned to make those leads cost less, so that you have lower acquisition costs. It makes it totally doable. Awesome. And so, so what have been what has been your favorite parts about it so far? I like the I like the visibility into the results. Um, and, and being able to compare what the, the numbers that they get on their side with the numbers that I get on my side and seeing that they mesh up. So we know that the data is correct and that we're actually uh, you know, in, in a cost per policy or cost per sale that, uh, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, cool. they make it real easy to track. And you know what? Guess what? They gave us a deal to offer to all of the insurance dudes and dudettes out there. Oh, I got to know about this. Yeah, you, all me. you need to do is go to go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes. That's go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes. And they give all the insurance dudes out there a killer price on this. So mm, I'm signing up. What's up, fellas? Hey, hey. Oh, I can't jump up anymore. My knees hurt. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Nonstop. You guys having a good day? Good. It's always a good day. That was a strong call. Which one, strong. How long were you listening? <laughs> just for a second. Just for a yeah. second, the, uh, the end. That was a cool guy, man. He uh, he and I suffer from ADHD, so we had a little common bond there. And I, towards <laughs> the end, I was losing focus because I knew I needed to be on with you guys. And uh, well, I was doing multiple things at one time. So You should have brought him on with us. Then there'd be four people with ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> All of us off of our meds, and we look like one of those lottery <laughs> ping pong ball machines just bouncing off. Yeah. The that is it. This is going to be a good episode. I feel it. Right <laughs> I now. already, yeah, it's all good. So, what's so, up, fellas? How'd you find David, me? How did you find us? You reached out to me, brother. I mean, but I mean, this is this is what's crazy. So, I've got some friends in high places, I guess, you know, with Jason Cass and Ryan Hanley and those guys. And they oh, were, yeah. They were cool enough to uh, put me in their 20 people to watch list. So my email how. box, yeah, my email box is just blowed up my phone and everything. So Cass would tell you I owe it my life now. So I'm sure he'll take an equity <laughs> take it into whatever. We have yet to have Jason on. So, um, well, you know, there's another one, <laughs> you know, you might as well go for the quintet. He's he bounced off the walls with us. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That is great. So let's start with the first the first question what was your first concert 
that's a good and go one, back. Man. It could be like Barney. It can be like, you know, yeah. six years old. First was concert bad. was Poison. Ooh! Dude, that's a good one. Yeah, it is. It was yes. a good one. And here's the cool part about it. It was the first concert that I went to. It was completely against my Southern Baptist upbringing. <laughs> and I bought the uh, I bought the Open Up and Say Ah t-shirt with the graphic and the dude sticking his tongue out on the back. And it lasted all of 10 minutes when I got home before it was <laughs> taken away from me and redistributed to one of my friends whose parents apparently didn't care. And it was wow. probably still 30 bucks back in the 80s for oh, one yeah. of those yeah, concert tees are flat, man. There, there's no inflation or deflation in them. It's been Just the single price same. point all, 30 bucks. all along. 30 bucks since Zeppelin. That yeah, is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, why is it? It's, uh, it might be 50 now, actually. I no, I mean, listen, we, uh, yeah, we've got a pretty solid amphitheater here in Tampa, and every, all the major shows come, and it's still 30, 35 bucks 30 now. Bucks. You buy a double X, they're going to get you for a couple more dollars due to the yeah. material costs, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, it so – well, welcome to the show. Congratulations on being on the, on the top 20 list. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in between after Poison and, uh, and what got you into the insurance biz? Yeah, so it's kind of a crazy story. Um, I ended up playing baseball in college, and we'll fast forward through those years because I was on the Tommy Boy plan. Most of the people I graduated with were <laughs> doctorate degrees, and I was busy smashing tables and beer cans on my head and all that cool stuff. But, uh, that I takes a skill set. Yeah, I blew my, ended up blowing my arm out and I started running, uh, working in grocery stores and I worked retail for the first 10 years of my life. Maybe a part of me thought I was going to be the next Kurt Warner, you know, the rags to riches story. I was stocking one day and then a closer for the raise the next, but that's not necessarily how it worked out. Um, got to be 30 years old, tried to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had a two-year-old son at the time who's now 17 and he had no clue who I was because I was working a hundred hours a week. And mm. You know, I just wanted to figure out an occupation I could go into where uh, I didn't have a diminishing hourly rate. I wanted to make more money the harder I worked. So my dad was VP uh, of risk management for a large PEO, employee leasing company in the Tampa area at the time. I lived in Birmingham and uh, the guy that was one of the owners of the PEO had just sold a very, very large independent insurance agency with a good reputation in Tampa. So dad said, you know, you should come down and talk to this guy. If anybody can mm. give some guidance, Sam, I think you'd, I've always thought you'd be good in, in, as a commercial insurance producer, but, you know, talk to him and see what you think. So I flew down from Tampa to Birmingham on the Southwest nonstop for an hour, had lunch with him, turned around, flew back, quit my job, loaded up my F-150 and moved to Tampa to sell insurance. Um, Dang. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I, um, you know, I, I didn't have any experience. It was a lot of uh, roadblocks for me getting hired somewhere. You know, they kind of like you to be licensed and all that. So I got my license. Uh, and in the evenings, I was working as a project manager for a pool construction company before the market tanked. This is back in 04. And I uh, got licensed and then immediately went back to all the neighborhoods where we were building pools and wrote all the subcontractors. So I looked like a superstar for the agency that I was working with at the time. Um, then I moved upstream a little bit. The guy who, who talked me into going into the industry uh, his non-compete was up from the sale of his other other firm, and he he opened up, and I was one of the first producers they brought in, and that I just got into middle market production at that point, and the rest is history. I mean, uh, at this point, I've I've progressed through my career, and, and three years ago, I opened up my firm now as a scratch agency, but um, I've been been in the industry for about fifteen years. Wow! Wow! 
Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> so are you mostly commercial? We are. We're probably 95% commercial, 5% um, personal lines. You know, the agency's done very well. We focus on accounts that are between $250,000 and $500,000 in premium because I found that you're dealing with a, a buyer who understands your role in the, in the whole process and there's less service work. Uh, involved with accounts like that. They're also more sticky because uh, people aren't going to shop on price all the time. And so, um, you know, we, that, that's where we really play. That's where our value proposition is, is the most valuable. So agency started in 2016 and we ended 2019 in just a hair north of 3 million in revenue. So it's also good that you can scale quickly when you're dealing with an average account size like that because you don't have to have a ton of accounts to, to get to yeah. the door. How, how many uh, how many people do you have working there? How many staff? Uh, we, uh, we have a dozen that are here. Um, five of them, six if you count me, are in production. And then I've got a, a full-time uh, bean counter to handle the money. And then oh. the rest are service people. Put them in the back. Yeah, stay away from me. It's keep the money <laughs> away from me because I'll run through it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are you uh, – what are you doing for marketing? Like, like that's um, definitely from what Craig and I do. We're, we're picking up the pennies off the ground. Um, how do you chase uh, big accounts like that? Yeah. So, I mean, anytime anybody asks me that, especially with producers, um, let me back up for a second. Cause I think there's an important caveat to my agency that everybody needs to know. And then I'll answer the question about marketing because it's, it sort of ties in together. Sure. I don't hire anybody at all from the insurance industry. Every producer that I have came from outside the industry. I do not want retreads. I want professional salespeople. I want people to get up and drink blood for breakfast, put on a helmet, ram it against the door until they get in, close the business by clubbing something, dragging it back to the cave, and then we take care of it. That's what I'm looking for. What I found in this industry is that you have people who are technicians and people who are salespeople. Very, very rarely do you have a hybrid. The technicians are awesome at coverage and they should stay at a desk in the dark away from the client because they talk themselves out of more deals than they close. Yes. Right. Salespeople are, are the walking E&Os that everybody's worried about because they'll do it. They'll promise anything to, to get a deal done. Um, but, but I do that intentionally because of the number of places that I interviewed that told me no, that didn't believe in me as the person. It didn't believe that I had the backbone or the fortitude to be successful. And so I, I really decided when I was launching the agency, I wanted to give those people that wanted out from where they were a chance to come into an awesome industry and be able to earn a great living in the process. So when I bring them in, one of the things that I tell them is when you're going to sell in this game, if you're going to market in this game, it's no different than baseball. You have to be a five tool player. There's not any one tool that you can have that can bring your game up to the level that it needs to be to be successful in the middle market. And these guys are coming in the door with Rolodexes um, of hundreds of people from where they were selling because I'm hiring business to business salespeople. And that's a whole mm -hmm. conversation for a different day because my philosophy on how I go about hiring these people and bringing them in the door is just nuts. Most people, again, they would short circuit if they, they listened to that process. I actually just did a talk, a workshop, at, a, at an event out in San Diego a couple of weeks ago that that was the talk for an hour was how I bring people in from outside the industry and I fund them before they ever walk in the door. So I have zero financial risk and all my producers are validated before their first day. So it's pretty cool. Um, but Can you give us the, the 40 foot yeah. view of that. Yeah. So 
one of the things that I learned early on in the, in the commercial piece is that you need to have channel partners. You need to have good people that are going to refer you good business that are running in the same circles. So if you think about guys like copy machine salesmen, office supplies, pe- uh, mm. people, payroll vendors, um, credit card processing, I mean, any of them, think about it. They're, they're all over the place, right? And these are the people that have really crappy jobs, right? They're going around, they're beating the crap, beating up on, on doors to get into places. My, my top producer is a guy that uh, worked for Quill selling office supplies. He had to go to 50 places a day, cold calling, trying to pimp out co- copy paper to a secretary that had no interest in seeing him. I bring him into this environment and the dude is just in heaven because you make way more money and you work, you don't have to work nearly as hard. But what I do is I, uh, I, de- I identify these people. I meet them for a cup of coffee. We talk back and forth and we set up a formal referral relationship with each other where um, I manage it just like I would manage my business. Meaning that we'll meet every couple of weeks, whether it's every other week or once a month or whatever uh, for coffee. But when you come to the meeting, I'm going to bring you to booked appointments with people that I can take you into. And I expect you to do the same. After going through that process for about three months, I know whether or not this person's really going to be successful in commercial insurance. So I plant the seed with them and basically just say, you know, why are, why are you doing this? Have you ever thought about uh, doing something different, maybe with some residual income or whatever else? Because it makes, doesn't make any sense. You work as hard as you do. You close as many deals as you do, but you don't have the ability to, to, to capitalize on that. And I leave it at that. And usually within 24 hours, I get the phone call, right? Asking me, well, what are you talking about? You know, did you mean wow. going to your industry or whatever else? And so that becomes a much more formal conversation at that point. But essentially what I do is I, I pitch it to them. I said, look, you guys, tell me what you want. Tell me what you need. I can get you what you need, but you're going to have to earn what you want. So let's talk about what it would take for you to make a transition from where you're at to coming over and working with my firm. And they'll give me the number, whatever it is. And so then we set up a a formal plan for how long it's going to take for them to migrate over. So what we do is we go in and we create a code in our agency management system so that now when they're referring business to me, we're tracking where that business is coming from and we're attributing it to that person so that when their revenue matches where they want it to be to come on board, we pull the trigger, bring them on board and hand them that book of business that they've produced for us through referrals over the course of the nine months to 12 months prior. So they're paid for. They have a book of business that they've created through referrals. I've had the benefit of the revenue while we're waiting to bring them in, but I've also been using it as a sinking fund to fund a producer that I might not otherwise have the money to go out and get. And then they don't have any financial risk because they've already got a revenue stream they're walking into with people that they already know. Wow. (laughs) Dude, spinning. You got the the hamsters running right now. Yeah. (laughs) David, you might be the most... It might not be the Dos Equis guy. You might be the most interesting man alive. I can't grow a beard, brother. Not to save <laughs> I my life. Either. Mine's all patchy. Does that happen yeah. to you? Mine's I, look, horrible. I, look like, I look like a rescue animal if I try and go <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Maybe we're related. Where yeah. did you learn this system, man? Yeah. Like, how did you come up with this? Well, I'm going to give you some advice, man. Don't, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was dirt poor. You know, I mean, I I joke about it all the time, but I mean, I launched a scratch agency with cash. I did not want to incur any debt and I had to get creative in how I did things, especially as I was going to scale. And I talk about it all the time. You know, I I was so poor that I lived off of boxed macaroni and cheese for a year and you knew it was payday because I actually got to buy the Velveeta shells and cheese that had the pre-made pouch. 
And like, that's the Cadillac, right? And if it was a really good payday, I could buy a pound of ground beef and put in it and an extra thing of noodles and then thin the sauce out with water so I could get three or four meals like that before I went back to the regular box mac and cheese. But I mean, you, you invent things and you think creatively when you're in a position where you're basically stuck on your back and you have to figure a way to claw out and you know, that's it. When I worked at Super Target, Target's an awesome company. It's very, very structured. Everything they have has a common practice associated with it. So that if you go to a store in Minnesota or a store in Miami, whatever function of that business you're looking at, they have a trifold brochure that tells you everything that they need to do. It's very, very regimented. And so I look at it because it's not anything to do with the insurance industry, but it was a very strict environment in terms of how you were supposed to operate. And I think that so many times people talk about how, you know, just be creative, think outside the box. Well, I, I argue that point and what I used to tell my, the people when I would travel around looking at Target stores that were having problems is true creativity is not thinking outside the box. Anybody can do that. Anybody with half a brain can come up with something that's not following the rules or whatever else. But if you can figure out a way to innovate inside the framework that you have to stay inside, that's real creativity. And so when you think about how regulated we are and all the things you have to do in this industry to be in compliance and all of that, um, you know, you have to sometimes stay inside the framework, but figure out another way to do things. And I think mm. the more agents that figure that out as we push forward into the future, the more we're going to continue to be re re relevant to our, our customers and we're not going to be commoditized. Man, I, I would, I would guess, and I, and I, and I hope you can answer this, that your retention on employee on staff must just be through the roof. Yeah, we're good. We've, we've, not, right. like, we've lost one person. And you know what? I blessed that. She went in, she had a family business and had an opportunity to expand it. And she came in and was talking to me. And I said, listen, if you think that this is going to make me upset or not like you or whatever, I would, I would be very, very upset with you if you didn't seize this opportunity. It would go against yeah. everything I live for. So, so yeah, I mean, for, for all practical purposes, we have a really good team. That's amazing. And, and how's the culture? How important yeah. is the culture to, to you? Culture's everything, man. You, yeah. have to, you have to have the right culture or, or you do run into turnover problems. You run into turnover problems, performance issues. You know, you have the wrong culture. People get into a death spiral and it just perpetuates and perpetuates until, you know, everything implodes. So, I mean, yeah, we have, we have, we do some, some pretty cool stuff. Number one, um, we don't monitor PTO and vacation time. My thing is take it if you need it and just do your job when you're here. And what I found is that they take less time <laughs> because they oh, want to wow. be here. Uh, the other thing is I give them uh, time every, every quarter to do uh, a whole day of self-improvement. I don't care if you go lay on a beach and read a book that's going to make you a better person. I don't care if you go to a workshop, whatever you do, they get a, one day a quarter to be able to go and do that stuff. They get a, a day a month for community service that's paid um, so that we're giving back to the community and they're doing the things that they need to do from that aspect. And so, uh, you know, we try and do the right things by people, man. If you do that, everything else sort of works. It's what works itself out. Crazy. Oh, jump in, jump. I don't know what happened. <laughs> the, the, Dude, look the at door. that. He just squirreled. <laughs> no, the door. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it, though, like literally, I thought there was an earthquake. That <laughs> the door shook, and he's in California. So I'm in California. Know. I think that that's probably a realistic concern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I I love it, man. I, I a I love your energy. B I love how you do think outside the box, uh, but within the confines. And I think that is a very uh, that's a very key part to what we do. 
And, and it, it is true creativity when you have to, I, I mean, <clears throat> it's a lot easier to be creative when there are no walls, when it's like, oh, just come up with anything and here's your paint, right? But when you have to like really, like this is what we have, we only have this much, how, and, and you can get real creative with it. I think that's where, I mean, that, that, there's a lot more magic in that, I think. I boil it down to Billy Madison, man. You know, <laughs> they ask him why he drew a blue duck. And he said, because I never saw blue duck before. It's really yeah. that simple. You know, that's real creativity, right? You got to yep. create what you want to see. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I love Have it, you... man. So go ahead. You man. go, Craig. I was going to say, what, what advice, like, um, what advice do you have for, for people coming into the, to the industry or people that have been in the industry? I like, and, and this is coming from a perspective of, I love that you, you have eight, you know, mac and cheese and you've seen all sides of it, right? Now you're doing a super successful agency with these, with these giant clients, a lot higher end coming from where you've come, um, where, where do you see the big a weakness with a lot of new agents and what, what would the big eye opening advice be? So a couple things, number one, I think it's lack of support. Um, new agents coming in, most agencies just don't have the infrastructure necessary to train somebody the right way to do things. And so I think you see a lot of people that could be very successful in the industry flounder because they don't have, the ability to learn the way that they need to learn. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons why I was able to learn uh, quickly is because that's just who I am. I don't let grass grow under my feet and I had something to prove because when, you know, a dozen agencies say, no, sorry, we think, you know, if we were going to hire anybody, it would be you. But, you know, I, and I even had one guy tell me that uh, I got back to me through a recruiter that he just didn't think I had the backbone to be successful in the industry. And so that was a fun time because I then immediately targeted every single one of his agency's largest accounts when I got to the point that I could do that. And every time I took one, I'd send him a dozen roses and a thank you card for motivating me. Every so, um, you know, but I think, I I think to that point, there, there really is, there's not a lot of tools out there from an agency perspective, unless you go searching for things to augment what you can get at work on your own. The other thing I would say is believe in yourself and that you can do it. You know, one of the biggest things I remember, if I go back to when I was just at 30 years old in this industry, calling on an account where they do $50 million a year in revenue, and I've got a meeting with the CFO, and I'm looking around at all of the people that work there and the equipment that they have and all of this stuff, and I physically got sick because I'm thinking to myself, I'm completely unqualified to be here. I have no <laughs> business talking to this guy. And the fact of the matter is that the only person that believed I didn't belong there was me. And when I got it through my head that this guy's already validated my existence by accepting an appointment right. with me, go in there and clean his plow and take his business, you know, then, then all of a sudden it became a lot easier, but that was a defining moment for me. And then once, once I went through that, I'll never forget that day. Once I went through that, I never got the butterflies again. I never had a problem going in and talking to people because what I knew was what my tonky points were. And I think that a lot of times, even with, with my guys, remember they, they, they're not insurance experienced guys, they're sales guys. And so when they go in, I think there's that point in your, in your, career where you're worried about you know what people are going to ask you that's going to make you look stupid if you're put on the spot 
here's what I know. In nearly 20 years of doing this at this point, there's never been a time I've made a cold call marketing drop. The CFOs come out, shook my hand, and immediately asked me about the technicalities <laughs> of an additional insured endorsement, right? <laughs> it's never happened. And so, um, you know, I think that people just need to believe in themselves and believe that yeah. they can do it and, and, and make themselves bulletproof. Just go do it. You know, that's it. And that happens a lot, right? Because there's so much to know. And even in the PNC world, there's so much to know. And you bring in somebody, I love bringing in people that aren't retreads outside of the, you know, from outside the business, whether it's in restaurant or in other sales, and you bring them in and that's what they'll say, right? But what if they say this? What if they say this? They go, it doesn't matter. You already know a thousand times more than they do. Nobody knows anything about this stuff. And exactly. You know, well, I mean, and to that point, that's the other thing I tell my guys, look, your, your goal is not to go in there and vomit insurance all over the <laughs> conference room table, right? Your goal is to go in and you let the prospect know, you know, that much more than they do to the point they have to hire you to be able to get that knowledge. That's it. Stop. I've been in so many meetings where people have gone 45 minutes longer than they should that they talk themselves out of the deal because they right. feel like they need to prove that they know everything about insurance. And it's crazy. You don't have to. You don't. Nope. And it's, it's really that can, all it takes is the connection and the tenacity to be able to, to stand there and talk and not, I think people do. I think a lot of people talk themselves out of stuff. Like the more they talk in a sales transaction, the, the less likely that deal is going to happen. Let the, let the client talk more, build that rapport that's it. Just solve the problem. It's extremely important, you know, for me, especially because obviously I like to talk, right? You know, you guys <laughs> took, took you a while to get me warmed up for this, but, um, <laughs> you know, I have to prepare for my meetings and I sit down with a legal pad and I list out the open-ended questions that I'm going to ask, but they're very specific. I mean, it, I'm specific that it's only going to be a question that I ask in one sentence or less, and then they need to take 30 seconds or more to answer so that they're always talking more than what I am. And I think that if you prepare to go into an appointment like that, you're a lot more likely to succeed than if you go in flying blind. That makes sense. It's kind of like that. that's what Jordan Belfort does, right? Like, have you ever heard that when he... He, he's had stories of uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, Street guy that he's had stories when he goes in to sell something, he will sit there with a pen and paper and write down every objection that they could come up with and he'll list it out. So the conversation flows from one thing to the next, no matter what they say. So he's thought of every poss possibility and uh, yeah, preparation's everything, man. I think that's. Sell me this pen, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Love it, man. Cool. And how do you stay so pumped? I love your energy. Um, a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, every day can't be great, right? Especially in yeah. this industry. It's, it's tough. There's a lot of ups and downs. Uh, what, like what, what have you done through? You've had a lot of uh, downtimes in your life. What have you done to stay positive and really push yourself to keep going? Um, not allow myself to be consumed by it. Uh, you know, I mean, I think that every one of us deals with adversity differently, but it's how you deal with adversity that determines how successful you're ultimately going to be. And if you have the mindset that you have to fail in order to succeed, then it makes it a lot easier for you to accept failure because you know, it's a learning lesson. It's a step along the path and it's not just something that's going to be the be all end all. And I mean, 
it's easy to say that. And when you're in the heat of the moment, that's very difficult mm-hmm. advice to, uh, to apply. But I mean, I think that's part of it. And the other part of it is, you know, allow yourself to be vulnerable to people, you know, whether it's your spouse and you tell them you need their support so that they can give you uh, the support that you need, or even being completely honest when you're in a, in a prospect meeting or, or even a meeting with your client where you mess something up. I think people appreciate the fact that you can show that you're human and you can be vulnerable. You can admit your mistakes. You can admit that you don't know everything and that you can admit that, you know, maybe, maybe you need to get back with them later with the, the answer to their question because you're just not equipped to answer it. I think you end up, you know, going a lot further in life that way. And unfortunately, not a lot of people are able to do that. They, they feel like they have to, um, you know, improvise on the spot. And that's just never worked for me. And, and as a result, my relationships are a lot stronger because I think mm. people realize I'm a real dude. Moving that ego off to the side, right? And being real. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's one, one piece of advice you'd give to somebody starting out in this, in this crazy business? Go get it. You're going to have, <laughs> you, I mean, you're going to have to take what you want. Yeah. Nobody's going to hand it to you. I think that, you know, there's a, social media has changed how the industry operates, right? So mm-hmm. we interact with people on Facebook all the time and we think, you know, we see our friends that are doing really well or we're in back channel agency groups that we think are doing really, and we see other people who are doing really, really well. Nobody's going to post what's going on in their life that's bad. So everybody perceives that we're all successful and nobody's having to work for what we get and that there's no grind involved with it. Just open your eyes and make sure you realize that nothing's going to get handed to you. You have the chance to make more money in this industry than any other industry, aside from being you know, a celebrity or professional athlete, that I'm aware of. And if you're willing to go out and seize the opportunity and grab what's yours, you're going to be wildly successful. But if you sit back and wait for somebody to hand it to you, I'm the guy driving the bus that's going to run you over. <laughs> Better watch out. <laughs> Love it. Well, cool, David. Man. Thank Dude. you so much, man. It's been awesome that the, uh, I, the, the conference you were at was blessed to have you come and, and do an hour version of, uh, of, of that talk. I mean, this is something else. Now they're all going to think they got gypped because I gave it to you in like a minute and a half. People had to sit and listen to me for an hour. Uh, they, I'm sure they were loving it. They were loving it, man. It well, was thank, a good time, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And uh, hopefully we can have you back down the road and, and uh, catch back up. Anytime. I'd love it. Thanks for the opportunity, right. fellas. Appreciate Y'all it. Good night. Okay. Thanks, thanks so much, David. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. Jason, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up one of our sponsors, EverQuote. Oh, tell me a little bit about them. Well, I've been using them for a couple months, and I'll tell you that the results are delightful. It's been now a couple months, and, and over time, my cost per sale has dropped every single week. That is awesome. Tell me, so you're on a specific program with them? Yeah, it's called the Accelerated Growth Program. And this this bad boy gets you a better deal on those leads, so way less expensive. And you get a consultant that's going to actually go over your results to make sure you're tracking properly. And so you, and you've been doing that for the last couple of months and uh, consulting I have. with them? Yeah. And, and I see everybody complain about leads and, and this and that. And it's like, look, if you don't have a, a process to track and measure your results, then I can totally get it. You don't even know what your results are, right? And you asked them to give all the insurance dudes and dudettes out there a killer deal on this, and they came through, didn't they? They came through, and I know you're going to take advantage of it, but if they go to go.everquote.com forward slash insurance dudes, that's go.everquote.com 
forward slash insurance dudes, then guess what? What? Deal City. I'm there. Do it. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.